So typically uh, in the new year, I mean in the, well, in the new year, in the last year, I had been going through the book of Acts, but I thought, okay, rather than returning to Acts chapter 13, I believe we would be in, and I thought, well, I want to preach a new year's message, a message for the new year. And there's one passage that continually comes to mind for me as a pastor, and I'm sure maybe for some of you who've been believers for a long time, that you would be familiar with the phrase, and it's found in Isaiah chapter 43, and it says in Isaiah 43 verse 19, see I am doing a new thing. You ever heard that phrase said in scripture, see, I am doing a new thing. Now, I think sometimes when we hear a verse in scripture and we say, oh, wow, that's exciting. We kind of like, that's my verse this year. Pastor Liz will do that with us uh, from time to time where she'll say, okay, I want God to speak to you. She's done this thing called my one word where you ask the Lord to speak to you a word and then you, you hear that word from the Lord and then you connect it to a scripture. And sometimes that's a good thing. However, sometimes we take scripture out of context and I think it's important that we see the scripture around that scripture. It's, you know, like some of you are like, oh, my, my theme verse is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a great verse to have as your theme verse. However, do you know that that verse is specifically talking about prayer and overcoming struggle? So if you're going to claim I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, recognize it's in the ability to overcome things through prayer. It's not just like, I can do whatever I want. It's, I can get through hard times. So you might be inviting some hardships on you. It's important to know what's around the scripture. And so when we look at this passage in Isaiah 43, verse 19, it says, see, I'm doing a new thing in a new year. Don't we get excited for new things? I do. I mean, uh, you know, diet and exercise, hello. Everybody likes to say, I'm gonna get into shape this year. I'm gonna eat healthy. I'm gonna take care of my body. You know, maybe you have some other goals, like, you know, I'm going to be a better husband or father or wife, mother, sibling, you know, maybe I'm going to have a better relationship with God. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to journal. I'm going to pray. You know, this week, the, you know, the nomination is challenging us to do fasting and prayer. Those are good challenges, good things. It, to, to say, I am, God is doing a new thing and God can do new things in us is great. And the new year, I don't think there's anything wrong with making a new year's resolution where you say, I'm going to do something new this year. However, I think you should temper your expectations. The problem is that we think if I do something new, I should do it throughout the whole year. And the reality is it is very difficult to keep something going for an entire year, especially if you're adding multiple things at the same time. My recommendation is pick probably one and see how long you can sustain it. And then once you give up, don't call yourself a failure. Have your expectations be realistic and saying, yeah, at some point I'm gonna give up on that. And then start it again sometime later. Maybe when spring comes, you say, okay, well, I tried that in January, February, March. It started petering out. And now that April hits, I'll start again and try again. There's nothing wrong with that. Life is hard. And even in this scripture, as we're going to look into the scripture, I want to see everything around that scripture, which shows us that there's a battle going on. And I want to recognize it's God who says he's doing the new thing. 
Often we build it up that we are going to be the champions. We're going to be the victors. It's all on us to make sure the good thing happens. And here in Isaiah, I think it's important for us to recognize it's God who does the new thing. It's God who's going to break out and do great things in our lives. If anything good is gonna come in 2023, right? It's 2023 now, got my year right? Day one, 2023. If anything good is gonna happen to you this year, it's gonna be to the glory of God. The Bible says that all good things come from your heavenly father. So let's look at the context around this verse in Isaiah 43, verse 19. We're going to start right at verse 1. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Oof, isn't that comforting? Right there, we were just talking and praying for people who are struggling with their mental health, people who have committed suicide. Listen, this is a message that is for all people. We need to make sure that as people of the gospel, the good news, we pass along the good news, which is that people should not be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of because why? You need to attach that with something. You can't just tell someone, don't be afraid, right? Like I have a, a three-year-old and, a, and a, gonna be this week a two-year-old who say, I'm afraid of the dark, right? And you say, well, there's nothing to be afraid of. Well, just saying there's nothing to be afraid of sometimes doesn't cut it. You have to physically show them, turn the lights on and show them around. There's nothing in here hiding or gonna jump out and spook you. Let's look under the bed. Let's look in the closet. There's nothing here. There needs to be something to back up the reason to not be afraid. And here, when God says, do not fear, he gives you the reason why you should not be afraid, which is, I have redeemed you. I have summoned you. I have called you by name. You are mine. So if any time fear creeps into you this new year, if you're, you know someone who's struggling with fear, you need to remind them that they belong to God that he has called them. You are called. You're struggling with fear. You don't know what the future holds. 2023 seems like a scary venture for you because of all the things that might come into your life over the next year. Don't worry. Do not be afraid. You are his. You belong to him. That should be comforting. You have a heavenly father who's watching out for you, who says, do not be afraid, I am with you. Jesus said, I'm with you, even to the end of the age. God is watching over you if you belong to him. It's, you know, it's one of the most comforting things to me is that out of all of the commands in scripture, the one that is commanded the most is to not be afraid. God knew that when, we, when human beings fell in the garden, when Adam and Eve chose to eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, when they ate of that fruit and the knowledge of good and evil entered into the human race, now we are now aware of both good and evil. You know what also accompanied that? Fear. As soon as you could choose good or you could choose evil, it was a choice. You're a free will. You could choose a path. People would be afraid of the path that they would have to choose. 
See, before when it was just the garden, when God just put them in the garden and said, just take care of the fruit and the, and the vegetables and be fruitful and multiply, boom, garden of peace, garden of no choice, uh, uh, no worries. You don't know what evil is. They were just not aware of good and evil. They just did what God had co- commanded them to do. But as soon as they were given that choice, as soon as there was a path, as soon as a decision had to be made, fear also came with that, those decisions. Do you not see that in your own life? As soon as you have to make a decision, fear comes in. But what is the counter to that fear? You are his. He's watching over you. The decisions that you have to make in this coming year, you can give over to him. I'll tell you, it takes a load off. It sets you free when you Trust your heavenly father with the decisions that you have to make in your life. Verse two says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, your savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba as your stead. Since you are precious and honor in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made." You say, how do I know God's watching over me? How do I know I have protection? Remember he, he, here in verse 2, he, he talks about the waters passing over you. I will be with you. Uh, though you pass through the river, it will not sweep over you. Though you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. These are all situations where when you have to make a decision in life, you might have to go left or right. There might be consequences that come in your way. There might be uh, severe, scary moments, reasons why you should actually have to be afraid. But God says, I will be with you. I will protect you. And how do you know he's got the protection over you? He says, because you are my children. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory and whom I formed and made. Now in the Old Testament, that was the nation of Israel, right? Jacob, Israel. In the New Testament, John chapter one, if you read John chapter one, it says, that all who believe in Jesus have the right to become the children of God. So as New Testament believers, we get to claim these same promises that the Lord is watching over us, that he will protect us. This, this passage here that I just read is symbolic, waters passing over, walking on fire. I don't tell, I'm, I'm gonna suggest you don't go and start a fire and start walking over some burnt coals. I, I, I don't suggest that. What I'm saying is that these are symbolic pictures of dangerous situations and yet having the Lord protect over you. So you can know that no matter what happens in this coming year, there might be situations that come up in the, in 2023 where you might be fearful, where you might be, you might have to make a tough decision where it might look like you are actually in danger. I know for some of you, some, um, Healthcare decisions are, might have to happen this, this coming year. And the Lord is saying, if you are called by my name, no matter what happens to you, I am with you. It's interesting here. He even says, I will use other nations to protect you. 
Whoa, how does that work? Well, you know what? God raises up doctors who might not even be believers to take care of other believers. And we can still say that's to the glory of God. We can still say that God gave those doctors, surgeons, you know, the hands, the skilled work to be able to perform that work. Verse 8 says, Lead out those who, who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. All the nations gathered assemble, uh, together and assemble, and the peoples assemble. Which, which of their gods foretold this and proclaimed to us their, the former things? Let them bring in their witnesses to prove they are right, so that others may, see, may hear and say, it is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there ever be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and, procl and proclaimed. I am not the same, uh, not I am not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, from the ancient of days, I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? What is this passage saying here? This passage is saying that there is a reason why God puts his hand of protection over us. It's so that we can be his witnesses. See, the entire plan of the scripture, if you read this whole Bible as a whole, the purpose of the scripture isn't just so that God has his specific chosen people who he just blesses and everybody else is cursed. There is a blessing and there is a curse within scripture, but the blessing comes on the children of God. The blessing comes on those who are called by his name. The blessing is on those who want to demonstrate the glory of God. Why? So that others would see and the ones who do have the glory of God would become witnesses who would share his glory, who would demonstrate the blessing. Over the Christmas uh, holidays, you know, here I have five kids, beautiful five kids, healthy children. And I look and I know that what I have is precious. I talk to friends. I talk to other families in our church. And there are families whom I know, who I love and I care for, and their homes are broken. Some days the kids have to go to this parent. Some days they have to go to that parent. I couldn't imagine not having my kids on Christmas, and yet there are parents who don't have their kids with them on Christmas. And I think to myself, these are the thoughts that come through my head, is that I need to cherish this and recognize that this is a blessing from knowing Jesus, that this has been preserved in my life, that I value my family, I value my relationship with my wife and my kids only because of the glory of Jesus, and that could easily be taken away if I don't recognize how important Jesus is in my life. Because as soon as Jesus and the blessing that Jesus offers me is taken away, all of those other blessings that he gives me can easily be stripped away as well. And not only is this just for me to enjoy, yes, I do get to enjoy it, but it's for me, as a, especially as a pastor, to make sure that you and all of you in my church can, can, 
can follow in the blessing, that we follow Jesus together, that he is the great shepherd of the sheep and we are led by him and he wants to bless all of us if we choose to follow him together. And even when we've made mistakes, even when we've gone off the the path, so to speak, he calls us back. He redeems us. And our job, the scripture says here from verse 8 to verse 13, it's telling us that our job is to give God the glory and to be witnesses, to share this. It's not just for ourselves. The blessing that maybe you felt like I did over the Christmas holidays with your family around you, that love, that joy, that peace, clearly others need it. Clearly other people are lacking it. Clearly it's not just for us to have to ourselves. It needs to be shared. And yes, we do that in faith community, but we do it whenever God presents us the opportunity to do do this. Verse 14 says, this is what the Lord says, your redeemer, the holy one of Israel, for your sake, I will send to Babylon and bring down all the fugitives of the Babylonians in the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, the holy one, your holy one, Israel's creator, your king. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. All right. I'm going to stop there because next is that verse that I quoted at the beginning about doing a new thing. But I wanted to highlight that verse 18. First, actually, before verse 18, he talks about some of the things that God has done in the past that people would often remember, which is like chariots being drowned in water. That's a reference to, obviously, Egypt. And as uh, Pharaoh pursued Israel into the desert, uh, up to the Red Sea, the Red Sea opens up. Israel goes through. They make it to the other side. And then, boom, boom. The water recedes and the chariots are underwater. And, 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 and God wanted them to remember this. But here he actually says, forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. And I think the reason why he tells them this at this moment, because often when people dwell on the past, they don't look forward to what God can do in the future. See, there's a reason why we can look back to the past. Whenever God did tell us to look back in the past, it's to remember that there's possibility for God to do something in the fo- future. If you, whenever you look through scripture, if God reminds them to look back in the past, it's so that they can have a promise for the future. But the problem is, if you get so stuck in the past, and people do this, right? You might know people who do this, where they, all they do is talk about the struggles of the past, the struggles of the past. And they get so caught up in the past that they have an inability to see the future. And at certain point, those people who get stuck in the past, so much so they can't take a step into the future, need to be told, stop it. Forget about the past. There's a time where you need to stop dwelling on the past. It is 2023. Maybe some hard things happened in 2022. Maybe some things, some hard things happened back in 1986. That's what the year I was born, by the way. That's why I use that year. I don't, maybe not 1986. I just picked a year, random, my birthday. Uh, but between then, whenever your hardship might have happened to, to 2000, 
23, God wants you to know, forget about it. God is the God who wipes away our sins. The Bible tells us he throws our sins as far as the east is from the west. There are times, like I'm learning this in psychology right now. It's interesting how as a pastor who's studying counseling, um, a lot of the things that they are teaching in uh, a secular university actually line up with scripture. And as I'm reading these things and learning about uh, how to counsel people, um, there are times where we do need to look back into people's past for the sake of healing. People do need to revisit their past life in order to recognize where things went wrong so that they can be healed. But the, the reality is, once you know that, once you know what caused that hurt, caused that pain, and you've sought healing, you don't need to go back there anymore. And psychology is actually reforming where they used to think, oh, we need to talk about it, we need to talk about it, we need to talk about it. Now to a point where they're recognizing that might not be the best way of always bringing healing. That we need to, as the scripture says here, forget the former things. We need to look forward as well. So I would say if you're going to ask the Lord to heal you, it's okay to look back. But once you've asked the Lord to heal, you can believe that he has healed you. Which leads us to verse 19, and it says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? It's interesting that God says, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? I preached on, uh, on Christmas Eve. Uh, if you guys uh, paid attention online, I know the weather was bad, so we didn't have a good uh, turnout here, but it's, that's fine. But hopefully you caught some of my message online, and the message was this, is that we need to pay attention, that we need to look, that Jesus is the light of the world, and when things light up, it's to pay, for us to pay attention, and God wants us to look around to pay attention to what he is doing. And here in this verse it says that God is doing a new thing, but we need to perceive it. All the way back in verse 8, it says, He leads out those who have eyes but are blind. How can you have eyes but are blind? Again, he's talking about spiritual things. When Jesus shows up on the scene, he tells the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Hey, you have eyes but you can't see. You have ears but you cannot hear. And in the same way, we as believers need to recognize that God wants us to pay attention to the spiritual things that are around us. And so when God is doing a new thing, you say, Well, what is he doing? Well, pay attention. Open your spiritual eyes. Open your spiritual ears. There's a reason why we do prayer and fasting. We, this is what fasting is all about, just so you know. If you're like, why would I fast? You know, why is the denomination, why is the bishop of the Free Methodist Church in Canada asking us to fast? Why did Pastor Liz ask us to fast? I like food. I don't want to give that up. Well, here, here's why you should fast. If you dull your flesh, your, your, your bodily senses, right, taste, Right? Why did Jesus say go into your prayer closet, a dark place? Dull your sight. And ever try to pray when there's noise? It's, it's really hard. Turn out, blot out the sound. Close your ears. If you get rid of those senses, what happens? Your spiritual senses become more alert. You have a better ability to hear from God. Um, I, I don't have my phone on me. My son took my phone. But I suggest if you really want to pay attention to God, turn it off. 
That is a huge distraction. It, 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 it plugs your ears. It, it, it blurs out your vision. In order to pay attention to God, spend some time off of your phone. You need to perceive God. God wants you to seek him. Yes, he could show up in front of you and boom, just like the angels in the, in the Christmas story that we read about over the past month, he could just show up and send you an angel. Yeah, but he wants to be sought after. He wants you to look for him. And he says, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in, a, in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, my people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. What is this saying? This is telling us that God can make water appear in a wasteland. For us who live in Kempville, North Grenville, we don't ever have this picture in our mind of a lack of water. There's too much water. You drive through the fields and you're like, whoa, look, there's a swampy lagoon right over there. And uh, some of us, we have problems with too much water showing up in our basements. And, but envision being in the Middle East where there's desert, a parched wasteland. And God is giving the picture of an oasis showing up, water streaming in so that, the, so that the jekylls and the owls, the animals, the wild beasts can come together and find nourishment. It's a picture that the prophet of God is describing to say that God can do something where it looks like it's impossible. That's the picture that the scripture is giving here. That there might be an impossible wasteland in your life where you say it's impossible. For some of you, it might be a relationship. Other of you, it might be a financial situation. Or a workplace tension. Some of you, it might be your own mental health, your own struggle within, and you're saying, this, it feels like a wasteland. I'm struggling so much. It feels dry. It feels parched. It's a struggle. Life is a struggle. And, and, and God is saying, I'm doing a new thing. I can bring water to the desert. Whatever desert area in your life, I can water it. So up to this point, it's very positive of what God can do. But the chapter kind of ends on a very pessimistic note for those who actually ignore what God is doing. Verse 22, yet you have not called on me, Jacob. You have not wearied yourself for me, Israel. You have not brought me sheep for burnt offerings, nor honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with grain offerings, nor wearied you with demands for incense. You have not brought any fragrant calamus for me or lavished me the fat of your sacrifices, but you have burned me, burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your, with your offenses. See, like there's still a choice, church. 
God's saying, I'm doing a new thing. I can bring water to your desert, yet you still have to perceive it. You still have to seek it. You still have to reach out and claim it. This is yours for the taking, but you have to want it from me and have a relationship with me and seek me out. The first thing God says is, yet you have not called on me. All we have to do is call on him. All we have to do is talk to him. He just wants a phone call. Do you have a loved one where you just wish they would call you? You know, this is, this is your God here. This is your heavenly father. This is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And all he's saying is just talk to me. I built you for relationship. Remember when Jesus, when God, the Father and, and the Son and the Spirit created this world, the Bible tells us that he walked with Adam in the cool of the day. The intention of the garden was for relationship with God. And when sin separated us, God wanted to reestablish a way. This is why it's talking about burnt offerings here, by the way. You might say, why is he talking about burnt offerings? Because through the sacrificial system, it made a way for the people to atone for their sins, to recognize what they have done was wrong. The burnt offerings were to say, I'm going to take this lamb as a symbol that I feel guilty for my sins and I want to make that relationship with God right again. Now, we know we don't have to do that anymore. Why? Because Jesus was the perfect atonement. When Jesus died on the cross, he fulfilled that sacrificial system. We don't need to sacrifice burnt offerings anymore because Jesus made a way. But the, the goal is still the same. The goal that God wanted to establish is still the same, which is a relationship with him where we would call on him. And verse 25 says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. See, we often think that when God forgives us of our sins, it's for our sake. Here he's saying he forgives you for his own sake because he loves you and wants a right relationship with you. He forgives you, gets rid of, cleans you up so that he can have a relationship with you. That's how much he loves you. And remember your sins no more. Man, what a great way to start the new year. Amen? To be reminded that he remembers your sins no more. You might have got angry in 2022. You might have said some things you shouldn't have said. I'll tell you, I'll confess. This week I played paintball with my cousin's husband. His name is Chad. Chad shot me in the top of the head with a paintball. And it went, I was like hiding behind a tree and I was like doing this. And that the paintball came, poof, and we we're supposed to be having fun. And when your ears are ringing because you got shot and you hear your uh, arch nemesis, Chad and I have like a rivalry going on. And uh, when I hear Chad laughing at me and all I hear is ringing, I was so ticked off and mad. I stormed out at him and I said, don't you be laughing at me. I'm in pain. Anyways, he called me last night and we kind of sorted things out and we all think, I said, Chad, it was just the heat of the moment. I was angry because I, I was in pain and I'm fine. It was a game. I'm fine. Thanks for calling though, Chad. Anyways, I was angry. I said some things to Chad. I don't normally say to people that we're very anger filled and he forgave me. And I, you know what? Even the fact that he just called me to check up on me felt really good, right? To make sure that we're still in a good relationship. Jesus does the same thing for us. He calls to check in on you. And he says, I remember your sins no more. You know that thing you did this past year? Don't worry about it. I covered it on the cross. I love you. 
He says, review the past for me. Let us argue the matter together. State your case for your innocence. Jesus is saying, come before me. You think you're guilty? I'm gonna forgive you. Come, take your issues before me. I love you. You think there's something between us? There's nothing between us. This is not just a case between me and my cousin's husband, Chad. This is you and almighty God who loves you, who created you. And he's saying the same thing. Sort it out. Figure it out. Come before me. Verse 27 says, Your first father sinned. Those I sent to teach you rebelled against me. So I disgraced the dignitaries of your temple and consigned Jacob to destruction and Israel to scorn. He's saying some of your fathers, they couldn't get over their sins. They kept doing it. They wouldn't come to me. And so I had to make sure that they were disgraced. See, there's an option. It's come to me, have your sins forgiven, have a right relationship with me. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. You can forget your past or don't come to me. Live in your sin, live in your father's sin and you'll be disgraced. There's a choice. The scripture always presents us with a choice. Man, I, I'm excited for the new things God's, God's doing. I'm excited for the fact that he wants to forget my former things, forget the things that I've done wrong. I'm excited that he wants to forgive me of my sins, and he's got great things for this coming year. But we need to seek him. We need to pursue him. I encourage you to take up this week's challenge and find some time to fast and to pray. And in the coming month, we as a church will start to plan for the Lent season. And we do 50 days of prayer where we'll be regularly praying and fasting. And we'll challenge you to do this all the way up till Easter. And so start your, this week off right, but then we will continue in the coming month to continue that. Like I said at the beginning of my sermon, you might have some challenges for yourself this new year. Don't, be, don't beat yourself up if you fail. God is forgiving. God is loving. He doesn't want you to dwell on the past. But keep looking forward to the future. Open your eyes. Do not perceive that he's doing a new thing. Let's ask the Lord right now together, what is he doing? And join him as we seek his face. Father in heaven, thank you for inviting us into a relationship where we can seek you where we can remember that you are forgiving us for anything that we've done in our past to enter into this right relationship with you so that we can be a blessing. And so, Lord, we pray right now, Lord, that, that all of the blessings around us, the things that we recognize that you've gifted it with us with, Lord, that we would want to share them with others for your glory. Lord, help us perceive the new things that you are doing, that you don't want to just do this in our lives. Yes, you want to forgive us. Yes, you want us to move forward. But Lord, you want to do this in our community. You want to do this in our nation. And you ultimately want to do it so that we're a blessing to the entire world. Lord, would you do that new thing here in us first? Would you help us to forget the past? to recognize that our sins are forgiven, that they've been blotted out. And Lord, would we share that message 
that message of forgiveness once again, Lord. The message of the cross. Would you help us share it with those who need it most? People who are hopeless. People who are fearful. Eliminate our fears. Give us hope so that we may share that hope with others. And Lord, when, when fears spring up in 2023, because there will be moments of fear in this coming year, will you help us to remember that you've told us to not be afraid, that you've forgiven our trespasses, our transgressions, our sins. And help us to seek you and humble ourselves in repentance. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.